0: at you from the One Stone Recording and Mastering Studio in New Brunswick, New Jersey. This is The Weigh-In with your host, Matt Ward. Welcome to The Weigh-In. My name is Matt Ward, and I'm a boxing writer and historian from the greater Philadelphia area. Every two weeks, I will introduce you to people from the world of boxing, both past and present. This episode of The Weigh-In features my interview with boxing judge and New Jersey Boxing Hall of Famer, Steve Weisfeld. Steve is a New Jersey-based attorney and boxing judge. He can often be seen judging boxing matches throughout New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania. He has judged over a 1,000 professional bouts. Without further delay, here is The Weigh-In with Steve Weisfeld. Please introduce yourself to my listeners.
1: Well, Matt, first of all, thank you for having me on the broadcast. I really appreciate it. I'm Steve Weisfeld. I'm a lawyer and a judge. By uh, lawyer, I mean I'm a commercial real estate attorney in Monfail, New Jersey. I've been doing that for over 20 years with the law firm of BD Padovano and probably of more interest to your listeners, I'm also a, uh, a boxing judge and I became a uh, professional boxing judge. Back in, in 1991, I did amateur fights uh, from 1986 to 1991, and I also have a lot of uh, New Jersey ties. I was born in Patterson, New Jersey, grew up in Fairlawn, live in Rivervale, and work right now in Montvale. And for a couple of years, I worked with uh, HBO. I was their um, rules expert, their term, not mine, and also I did... The uh, unofficial scoring for Boxing After Dark. So I think that's a, a quick synopsis as to who I am. Definitely. When did you become interested in the sport of boxing? I remember like it was yesterday, but it was a long time ago. It was January 24th, 1976. My grandmother, my dad's mom, unfortunately passed away that day, and we had a little black and white television in the kitchen and I could only watch like an hour's worth of TV a week and I remember asking my mom if I could turn the TV on to to take my mind off things and she said sure and just by chance I turned it on and I watched and listened to Howard Cosell's broadcast of George Foreman versus Ron Lyle and I remember being hooked on that uh, you know right after I watched that fight and being a boxing fan since. Growing up, who was your favorite fighter? You know, I grew up. You know, as I mentioned, uh, the, the first big fight that I um, remember watching was the fight I just mentioned, January twenty fourth, seventy six, Foreman versus Lyle. And I would say, uh, you know, since then, um, you know, I was lucky to grow up in the era of the great uh, um, American heavyweight. So, you know, I liked. Um, you know, Ali, and, you know, I was a big fan of uh, uh, Ken Norton, um, Joe Frazier, and uh, Foreman, Shavers, Young, et cetera. Uh, and also, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard was on TV a lot at that time, so I was a big fan of uh, Leonard's as well. Do you have an all-time favorite professional about? Well, that's a good question. I'd say probably the... Um, The Foreman-Lyle fight, but Mm -hmm. something that uh, I guess is a little more recent. Um, Leonard versus Hagler was a great fight. I remember the excitement um, in the couple months leading up to that fight and and watching that fight. Uh, I watched that fight in, in law school. About 20 people were crowded into a... Uh, little dorm room um and also you know watched uh, another fight probably uh corrales versus castillo mm. um, was just an amazing exciting fight i wasn't there but just as enough as a fan i um i love that fight as well what was your first job in boxing well after uh i became a boxing fan in 1976 i made an acquaintance with uh a guy who um, worked in Patterson, New Jersey, and he had a store called Mr. Collector, and his name was Stu Levine. He's since passed away, but uh, I would uh, like going to the uh, fights with him, and he made me the assistant photo seller. In other words, he would have different photos of um former boxers and we would sell them somewhere between three and five dollars each and i would help him set up his table and you know help with the customers come sell these uh photos and you know i would not only sell the photos but it was a great way of seeing the fights in person in places like uh the old ice world in toto in new jersey yeah and um newark um I remember going a long time ago to see uh, uh, Dwight um, Muhammad Kwawi versus uh, Mike the Bounty Hunter. I think that that was at Essex Community College Mm -hmm. and different locations in New Jersey and New York. And it was a great way to uh, um, to practice scoring. And so that was my first quote unquote job in boxing as an assistant photo seller.
0: (laughs) Very cool. How did you get involved in judging boxing matches?
1: Well, I think I always wanted to, uh, to judge. I mean, after um, I became a fan, I would have a little scorecard that I made up for myself when I was a kid, and I would be basically practicing without even knowing it. And I would you create this scorecard and um, judge the fights, and... And then I remember I was just happened to be home from college. It was 1986, and I got something in the mail um, from USA Boxing out in Colorado, and that was information as to where I could take the uh, the test. And it turned out that I could take the test uh, the next day in Jersey City, I believe. So. I went downstairs and I crammed, I went through all of the rules and I took the test and I passed and I became qualified to be an amateur boxing judge. And, you know, that's just the first step in the process. And then I would I would be an amateur apprentice, which meant that I would go to the amateur bouts, you know, unofficially score them, and then after a while they put me in to become an actual amateur boxing judge. And I, I love doing that and I did that for you know, five years um, until, I guess, 1990, 1991. And then I did the apprenticeship program to become a pro judge, both in um, New Jersey with uh, Commissioner Larry Hazard. I would have to go to every single fight in New Jersey for a period of about uh, one year, unofficially score the fights, and sometimes I would come back at about 2 or 3 in the morning. Uh, But I would love doing that, and then I remember... Um, that uh, um, one of the judges got uh, stuck in traffic, and my one-year apprenticeship in New Jersey was shortened by by a couple months. But um, yeah, I also had a similar experience in in New York, where I would go to every fight in New York. And my first pro show in New York was September twentieth, um, nineteen ninety one. It was Larry Barnes versus David Taylor. I remember. Um, that was a great night of boxing. We had all knockouts and unanimous decisions, and it was just a thrill, uh, you know, judging that show 26 years ago. It's hard to believe. Hmm.
0: What states and countries are you licensed to serve as a judge in?
1: You know, I'm, I'm fortunate. I've judged in 16 states and 14 countries. It's always interesting to travel, but, um... And I guess one of the more interesting countries I've judged in uh, was the um, United Arab Emirates I judged in Dubai. Mm. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you have the, you know, you forget all that. You have the ring right in front of you. You have the two fighters in front of you. And that's really uh, what you focus on.
0: Oh, yeah. People involved with the sport of boxing see you on a regular basis at fights throughout New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania. On average, how many
1: fights do you judge each month? I'd say on average, and it depends. It could be feast or famine. There could be, you know, entire month or few months where I'm not judging, you know, any fights. And other times maybe you have two or three shows a week. But that's, uh, I'd say on average, I probably judge maybe two cards every month. And, you know, I like to work, um, you know, not not only the large shows but um, the small shows also because every fight is a championship fight to that fighter. Mm-hmm. So it's it's more than uh, than just uh, we hear the phrase staying sharp. But I mean we have to be on for every single round and every fight. And you know I think it's good to uh, you know to have judges who judge on a regular basis.
0: Yeah. You judged well over a thousand professional fights. Which fights were m- most memorable to
1: you? Um, I would say probably most memorable were... Um, can I give you a few? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say probably most memorable because of what happened in the ring and outside of the ring was uh, Bo Galata won at uh, Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. And I was also fortunate to, to judge the second fight also, which had a similar ending but no riots Outside of the ring, but those were um, two extremely memorable fights, and I, I think that people don't give Riddick Bo enough credit for sticking with it, for absorbing a tremendous amount of punishment, and for um, you know winning both of those fights. Yeah, uh, Bowe, uh, you know, won by disqualification, but he did win those fights. So. Uh, to me, those were two very memorable fights. Uh, also, I would have to say um, Robinson versus uh, Gotti won. Um, Gotti versus Ward won. Uh, James Tony versus Shiroff, I think, was an amazing fight. And and to me, uh, Lopez versus Patello, it's probably a fight that not too many people have heard of, but you know, that was interesting for two reasons one it was ricardo lopez's last fight and two it was also the last fight that arthur Mercante, senior refereed so oh wow so to me being a judge at that fight that was uh was very interesting and you know i mentioned before Bogulata won. one somebody said to me recently you know you're the only uh you know living Official from that fight. Unfortunately, the uh, the other two judges have passed away, and the referee, who was a, a great friend of mine, Wayne Kelly, unfortunately passed away also. Yeah. So, um, it was an honor, you know, doing you know, all those fights. Hmm.
0: What do you consider the biggest fight that you judged during your career?
1: Well, oh, that's hard to tell. Yeah, I think anytime you judge a heavyweight championship fight, that's a big fight because. You you have associated with that the, the phrase, I'm the baddest man in the planet. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the biggest fight, I would have to pick Pacquiao Marquez four because that was a fight with two great fighters. And it turned out to be a great fight with a surprise ending. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to me, that, that's the uh, quote unquote biggest fight that I've judged. Mm hmm. Cool. At times, boxing judges are the target
0: of angry fans and analysts. What do you think are the causes of bad decisions?
1: I, I say this only uh, half-joking. I'd say the commentators, um, <laughs> because some commentators, not all, but some commentators um, may not have a purely boxing background, and they may be talking about a 100 other things rather than focus on on scoring mm-hmm. so they may be talking about a fighter's background or a fighter's family or telling stories and you really have to focus 100 of, percent of your uh, concentration on scoring and i think sometimes fans can get misled and think that there's a bad decision a quote-unquote bad decision when there's not a bad decision so mm-hmm. i would say a lot of that has to do with uh the commentators, however, you know, certainly there are bad decisions. Um, mm-hmm. There was a uh, show, HBO Real Sports, where they talked about baseball umpires last year, and they said that baseball umpires made last year 33,000 mistakes. Now, most of those mistakes were in the ball strike uh call Mm -hmm. but how many mistakes do uh boxing judges make you know so i think we do make mistakes and we have to try to figure out why we make the mistakes do we make the mistake because we're not concentrating do we uh are we confused about the the 10 point must system um are we taking into account factors that maybe shouldn't be taken into account For example, obviously we should not take into account cuts, who the champion is, where the fighters are from, um, who the favorite is. Those are irrelevant factors. Mm -hmm. But to answer your question, I would probably have to say that maybe one judge favors a boxer and the other judge favors a puncher, or maybe one judge favors um, headshots and the other favors... The body shots, or maybe one judge favors the number of punches, or another judge favors the impact or the effect of the punch. So I would say that, in terms of quote unquote bad decisions, you know, maybe we're just not on the same page in terms of um, those factors. And it's hard to get on the same page because you can go to seminars and sometimes a close round is a close round and there's no mathematical formula that says that five jabs equals one hard shot or, or four jabs equals a hard shot. You just have to do what you think is best based upon your experience, what you think is fair, mm-hmm. and the collective experience of, of judges. And I think that's why it's important that judges have to talk to one another to try to eliminate, or if not eliminate, because nobody's perfect, at least lessen... Bad decisions. Um, so I'd say that's probably, you know, the number one reason. We have to try to um, be more objective in our scores and um, try to reach a consensus in, in doing what's right to the fighters, for the fighters. Great points. In
0: 2013, you worked for HBO Boxing as a ringside commentator and unofficial scorer for televised bouts. What was this experience like for you?
1: I think it was great in um, both respects. The people at HBO were amazing. I I was really impressed with them. And also, you know, I realized that, uh, you know, it's not easy, as I said, being the unofficial score. I think between the two of us, uh, Howard Letterman and I have... uh, Judge maybe 2,036 fights for HBO. Maybe Harold did 2,000 and I did 36. But uh, uh-huh. seriously, um, you know, I enjoyed being the unofficial scoring for Boxing After Dark. But in terms of what I mentioned before, being the um, the quote unquote rules expert, mm-hmm. I also learned a lot about the sport. You know, not only did I have to learn the 13 unified rules. And, um, you know, by the way, the, the ABC, I think, is doing a great job in terms of continually updating the, uh, the unified rules. Um, but I also had to learn the unwritten rules, which um, written rules were not enforced, who enforces them. Is it the, um, uh, the commission or the doctor or the referee? And... I also, let me, can I just give you a couple of interesting scenarios? Yeah, absolutely, please. So, so you know, I learned that uh, some scenarios are, are not uh, treated the same by, uh, by various referees and commissions, and, and not that we have to have um, total uniformity, but, um, you know, for example, um, stiff arming or spearing or posting, pulling, whatever you want to call it, measuring, you know, some referees let that go. Mm-hmm. Others say it's a foul. Um, you also have a fighter, for example, hitting with uh, both hands at the same time. Pacquiao versus Clady, or Pascal um, did that uh, against Bute. Should that be legal or illegal? Um, what happens? Is, when is a boxer when he's against the ropes when is he considered down is he considered down when he's helpless against the ropes or when the ropes keep him up it could depend upon the referee it could depend upon oh, the again. specific rules in the jurisdiction when mm-hmm. is the um, boxer considered up after a knockdown is he up when no part of his body except the soles of his feet are on the canvas or is he up when he's in a position and condition to continue mm-hmm. um, what happens if a boxer you know, hits his opponent before the fight, briefly before the fight, or after the fight. It could, ref- could the referee take a point away? For example, I think um, Zab Judah hit Baldemir in the thigh. Um, the referee, in that case, um, didn't take a point away, but could he have taken a point away? Um, and you have different scenarios. Like, uh, um, let's say that the, the fan man hurt Holyfield or hurt Bo what would have been the result would that definitely would that have been treated the same as an accidental foul it wasn't a foul but Mm -hmm. so you know different scenarios and and just when somebody just when you think you've seen everything in boxing something new comes up so I think it was a great experience you know learning the rules being the unofficial scorer and I got to meet some great people
0: cool very cool
1: what advice would you give to
0: someone who wants to become a boxing judge
1: well, first of all, I would say you have to, you know, love the sport and you have to give it 100%. And you also have to practice. And practice doesn't always make perfect. You have to practice in the right way. Uh, for example, you know, I could be practicing, say, um, push-ups right. all the time. But it doesn't mean that I'm doing the push-ups the right way you know, you should practice with other people and speak with other judges about how a particular round should be scored. I I try to practice all the time with with other judges. That's that's one thing. And in terms of um, you're asking about wanting to become a boxing judge, I guess, uh, I think it's also important for uh, new judges to be ABC certified. And Mm -hmm. Um, if I could just give a little plug, um, sure. you, people can go on the website abcboxing.com and I'm giving a, uh, a seminar on judging the fights July 22nd at Mohegan Sun. Somebody else is giving a seminar on uh, MMA. Somebody's giving a seminar on uh, being a boxing referee July 23rd. So I, I think, you know, go to the seminar, um, practice. Uh, become certified, and, and speak with other officials. Cool.
0: We'll make sure to uh, share the information about those seminars, too, with this posting of this episode.
1: Okay, great. Thank you. Sure.
0: How do you balance your work as an attorney and boxing judge?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I have to thank the uh, managing partner of the firm for allowing me to to judge, especially um, during the week. But you know, most of the fights, as you know, are on the weekends uh saturday night or friday night and um you know i do commercial leasing so a lot of the times even when i'm away you know i could take the the lease or the purchase agreement with me and you know i don't have to be in court so there's not as much of a conflict so i would say um having a great boss helps a lot oh
0: cool You talked a little bit earlier about um, scoring, the scoring of boxing matches. Um, However, when scoring a boxing match, what do most judges look for when distributing points between the two fighters? Is there like a common theme?
1: Yeah, I would say one thing that uh, every judge should keep in mind, and I believe every judge does keep in mind, is that the judge should know who's winning Mm -hmm. and by how much at every second of the round. It's like uh, a continuum or a pendulum, if you will. So in other words, I'm oversimplifying, but let's say that Boxer A is fighting Boxer B and Boxer A starts out the round by landing two punches. And then you have boxer you have that Boxer up by a little bit. And then let's say that the other Boxer uh, lands, say, five hard shots. And then you have, then the pendulum swings the other way. And it's important to know by how much is the boxer up um, slightly, moderately, decisively. And you also have to keep in mind, let's say that the boxer is up decisively. When does a boxer become up so much that it's a 10-8 round? That's what we call overwhelming dominance without a knockdown. Mm -hmm. So... That's what judges really look for, just focusing on who's winning and by how much. And the the tougher thing is, um, you know, you hear a lot about, uh, sometimes commentators say that judges look for four factors, clean punching, effective aggressiveness, defense, and ring generalship. And I can tell you that the most important factor by far is clean punches in fact a lot of rounds you don't even get to the secondary punches because you have so much to think about just in terms of clean punches for example you have as I said the number of the punches but also you have the hardness of the punch (laughs) and then you have the impact of the punch the effect of the punch so for example Matt if you and I are fighting and I land my hardest right hand on you and it does absolutely nothing, mm-hmm. and you land a jab on me, and I go staggering backwards. While everything else being equal, who's winning the round? You are, right? right? Because you caused an effect, and that's not the easiest thing to see in the world. Mm-hmm. But that's it's still very, very important. And some people say, "Well, how could you, as a judge, know the effect of the punch? The fighter could be play acting, and he's not wearing a punchometer. But you know, I say. You know, are we the only people at ringside who don't know the effect of the punch? Certainly, the referee knows the effect. He knows when he or she knows when the fighter is hurt. The the doctor does. The commission does. Fighters, the fighter knows when he's hurt. The, the fans know when a fighter's hurt. Are the only other judges the only people who don't know when the fighter's hurt? Certainly, you know, if we've been doing it enough, we should know the effect of the punch as well. And that's really what judges look for, the number of punches, the impact, and the effect of the punch. And the other factors that I mentioned are more secondary. Oh, very
0: interesting. What was it like for you to be inducted into the New Jersey Boxing Hall of Fame in 2009?
1: Well, that was obviously a great thrill for me. It was a big honor. It's a great organization. Um, Henry Haskup. Mm-hmm. Whom I think has been on your show. Yes, yes, um, definitely. A great guy. He's been the president for about uh, 30 years, mm-hmm. and you know, to me, it was also an honor, you know, having my parents there and having a lot of friends there. And you know, I recommend to any of your listeners uh, getting in touch with Henry Haskup about the New Jersey Boxing Hall of Fame. It really is an amazing event. So yes. it was one of the um, thrills of my lifetime. Definitely. What are your thoughts on the current state of boxing? Um, You know, certainly in terms of this country, uh, boxing isn't what it was many, many years ago. Mm -hmm. Years ago, maybe, what, in the 1920s or so, (laughs) you had, you know, boxing, horse racing, and baseball. Yeah. And certainly, you know, that's not the... uh, the popularity of the sports these days um, but I'd say the popularity is cyclical um, you know you hear sometimes can boxing come back and then a huge fight is made and you know the fans come back so there's still you know some amazing amazing boxers out there some great matches that that I think have happened recently and, and um, will happen and, and boxing we shouldn't just be um you, you know united states centric we you know boxing right now is a worldwide sport mm-hmm. and i think you have a lot of boxers from um places all over the world um where it might not be as popular in the, in the united states but it's more popular in the other country so i think boxing in general is doing very well
0: what charitable boxing groups are you affiliated with
1: I'm involved mostly with uh, two charitable groups. One is, I mentioned the New Jersey Boxing Hall of Fame, which um, besides its dinner uh, that I mentioned, it does a lot of uh, great work in terms of um, helping um, indigent former fighters and um, various uh, boxing groups around the country. Um, And that's a uh, 501c3 um, tax-exempt nonprofit entity as is the um, AAIB, the American Association for the Improvement of Boxing. And, and that entity was was founded in um, 1969 by Rocky Marciano and Steve Acunto. Steve Acunto Uh-oh. is still the chairman. Hmm. He just turned 100 years old. Wow. And he's still the chairman. And over the last four years, we've given over a hundred thousand dollars to um, amateur boxers to attend college nobody on the board takes a dime but uh, the money goes directly to the colleges and you know I, I know how tough it is because my my daughter um, goes to college now so you know she she's um, working to raise a little money also um, full-time college student so it's very very tough for the the Amateur boxer, because you know, you hear about football scholarships and basketball scholarships, but where are really the boxing scholarships? So, you know, part of the mission of the AIB was to fill in the gap and uh, you know, make it easier for the, the amateur boxer to do whatever uh, he or she wants. So, I think both of those organizations are very worthwhile. Yeah, they
0: sound like great organizations. Is there anything else you'd like to say to my listeners?
1: Well. I guess I would probably say that, uh, you know, when you're watching a fight on TV, maybe watch it for fun with the sound on, but if you're really serious about judging it, watch it with the sound off. And also realize that you're not really getting the true impact of the punch when you're watching the fight on TV. You don't really know how hard... The body shots are maybe the fighter landed a body shot that's going to stay with the other fighter for a few rounds or, or might be the beginning of the end and that might not come across on uh, on television um, and also when you're uh, judging a judge try to judge um, maybe try to find out how the judge judges each round um, so for example you and I, Matt, may be scoring a fight 95-95, mm-hmm. and somebody at home say, "Well, might say, all the judges are in total agreement." Now, it could be you and I are in total disagreement because you could have the first five rounds for Fighter A, and I could have the first five rounds for Fighter B. Right, right. So, I would say it's important to see how the judge judges a particular round, and, and similarly, you might uh, you might also hear that one judge has it, say, ninety nine ninety one, And you could say, well, how could that judge have it so one-sided? But remember, we're judging one round at a time. Every round is judged as an individual fight. So it could be that the judge wins the first round by a, a small margin, the second round by a small margin, the third round by a small margin, the fourth round by an even smaller margin. Well, guess what? Uh, it's four zip at that point mm-hmm. so each round has to be judged as if it's an individ- individual fight so sometimes you can't you know the, the overall or final scores may be misleading and i guess finally when you're judging the round i would say use the terms that i talked about before you know put 10-9 close could that round in your mind have gone either way 10-9 moderate or 10-9 um decisive so, so I think that also gives you an impression uh, when you judge uh, the fights. Um, and then, lastly, I would say just uh, you know keep watching boxing. It's a great sport. I love. Um, you know, I'm a big uh, tennis fan also. I love the individual sports, and um, you know, I think you know, boxing is the uh, you know the a stripped down form of uh, tennis, and just. Uh, keep watching and and thanks for listening. Very well said, Steve. Thank you very much for
0: sitting down with me this afternoon. Thank you. You can learn more about Steve Weisfeld via a series of links to websites in the notes section of this episode. The next episode of The Weigh-In will air on July 5th and will feature my interview with former lightweight and junior welterweight boxing contender, Ivan Robinson. Ivan currently trains amateur and professional boxers in Philadelphia. Ivan fought professionally from 1992 to 2008 and won the USBA and NABF lightweight titles during his career. His August 22, 1998 victory over Arturo Gatti was voted Fight of the Year by Ring Magazine. Ivan also fought boxing legends Oscar De La Hoya and Julio Cesar Chavez during his career. You can listen to The Way In podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes. If you listen to the show on iTunes, please leave us a rating. This will help other listeners find the show. If you would like to contact The Weigh In staff, you can reach us through social media and email. Our contact information is posted in the notes section of the episode. We love to hear from our listeners. That does it for the 10th episode of The Way in The Way in is brought to you by One Stone Recording and Mastering in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Check out One Stone Recording and Mastering for all of your mixing and mastering needs. Go to onestonerecording.com slash way in and receive 10% off your first session. Special thanks to Steve Weisfeld and you, the listeners, for being a part of our 10th episode. You can now be like our friend, J.P. Favera and support The Weigh-In on Patreon. You can support us for as little as $1 a month. Your pledge will go directly towards travel expenses and studio fees. Thank you again, J.P., for being a part of our team. I hope the weather in Florida is great. Until next time, I'm Matt Ward, and this is The Weigh-In. Hey, Weigh-In listeners. This is your host, Matt Ward. I want to tell you about one of my favorite websites, GardenStateLegacy.com. This quarterly online magazine gives readers an in-depth look at the people, places, and events that helped to shape our home state's rich history. You can check out Garden State Legacy at GardenStateLegacy.com.